Welcome, everybody, to the Down and Away podcast. My name is Fernando Mendez. I am 33.3% of your host here of the Down and Away podcast, the only podcast that is certified to give you your daily nutrition without eating vegetables. I am joined here by our other two hosts, Andrew Ciccarelli. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm the 33.4%. I'm going to round it up. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, just had to go for it. So it's still available. <laughs> I am saying that you are the only Caucasian member of the podcast, so that might be a little, uh, you know. Oh, my God. Is that my <laughs> privilege right there? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know what? Because it is uh, just yeah. a little bit. I, I'm, I'm going to pardon it today. I'm going to pardon it today. That's true. All right. Yeah, I'm also joined here by our other third, Ian Rickles. Ian, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, a little upset. Andrew stole a joke I was going to do, so I don't have anything <laughs> lined up for the opener. But decided to be on the podcast today. That's that's fair. Maybe maybe next week you can be the uh, thirty-three. Yeah, just just introduce me first, and then I'll. <laughs> yeah. no, then I'll just going to have to record the entire intro all over. <laughs> but uh, I mean, all I'm saying is, if we're each thirty-three percent, I mean that makes us Hall of Famers in baseball, right? That's true. That's true if you... Yeah, if, if you're going by average, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like the one thing that's crazy to me about baseball. Like, you know, you, you, you think of every other sport. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of other sports where you can just have a whole career based off of getting lucky or just lucky moments. But baseball, I mean, you know, you can hit a baseball, you can't. You can pitch a baseball well, or you can't. And, you know, if you're a good hitter, you're, you're, you're going to fail, like, roughly 70% of the time. And that's if you're an elite hitter. Yeah, like, uh, you, you can make the Hall of Fame for being, like, the best at failing. Yeah. <laughs> Fail the least. Yeah. Like, Mike Trout is the closest to almost being a 50% success rate in baseball right now. Maybe Joey Votto. One of those two. You know, I kind of want that, to – that's one of the things I'm going to be excited to talk about later, Mike Trout, and I'm sure we're, we're going to dive way into that. Um, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and reveal in just a second what this week's topic is going to be. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, are you guys all healthy? Everyone's family's good right now? Yeah. I oh, yeah. barely left my house in a few weeks, so we're chilling yeah, over here. Yeah, last time you were on the show, you said that you left your house. Yeah. Uh, I went golfing. Maybe yep. 10 days ago. And then since okay. that, I don't think I've done anything. Yeah. That's, I've been at home. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I, I, it, it's hard. Every day is blending together. And, I mean, I'm lucky enough to work outside. So I actually get to go out to the public. But, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm very cautious at that. But, yeah. I, I finally had enough of this reality and bought an Oculus headset the other day. So excited <laughs> for that. That's funny. I did too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I'm not doing that party, but uh, my girlfriend has been all for trying to get a uh, VR headset. Yeah, I've been trying it out the last couple of days, and it's kind of nauseating. My body has not gotten used to it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Have you guys? Uh, would you guys ever ride a roller coaster with the goggles? Because I know like Six Flags has tried that, and SeaWorld has as well. I'm not a big roller coaster guy. I don't think I would. See, even though I'm not a big roller coaster guy, I feel like I'd rather just go on a roller coaster. That's... How about you, Andrew? No, 
Oh, put me on a roller coaster with the goggles. Well, I'm down. <laughs> how can we maximize it? Yeah, right. I just, I don't know how that would feel. I mean, think about it. Like, I, I love roller coasters. I'm not scared of any roller coaster at all. But uh, that might have been like the most Donald Trump sounding sentence I've ever said. <laughs> I'm not scared of that at all. Never. <laughs> ever. Oh, man, you got the voice done. Kind of, yeah. yeah, people tell me that all the time. You guys should see like the hand motions I'm making. They're like on point. The, lip, <laughs> the lips are on point because you gotta like perk up the lips, kind of like a duck face. <laughs> yeah, you gotta kind of like like use your hand to kind of make like an L, like for a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about going on a roller coaster and not being able to see where I'm going. Granted, I guess that's what, you know, like Revenge of the Mummy and Space Mountain are, and I like those. So who knows? Maybe it is green. It's pretty cool. I did the uh, Super, Superman VR back when they had it at uh, Six Flags. It was a good time. Magic Mountain? Yeah. And I was very disappointed in the graphics at the time. I don't know. What, what was it like? I didn't know they ever had one for Superman. I know they had one for, uh, oh, was it the, the Drop Tower? Yeah, it, was, it like, shoots you up really fast. Oh, I know they had one for uh, Revolution. They like redid the Revolution ride. Yeah, it was like it was only for like it was like a week, and then they shut it down. It was like really quick. Yeah. I, I brought my friend to go on it, and it was like shut down. <laughs> like six flags. <laughs> yeah. I was always a Lego Land kid. I didn't go get to, get to go to Six Flags much. I was, was, was going to ask you, because you grew up in L.A., so I was going to ask, like, oh, did you ever go to Six Flags? No, I, I, I go to Legoland every year. I used to do Lego Robotics, so they had a competition there, and I go there every year. Watch oh, Berry Farm a few times. First Robotics? Yeah. yeah. I did a lot of First Robotics in high school. Well, not a lot. I did three years of it. It's like kind of, kind of where I got my start programming, and I'm not programming anymore, but <laughs> I'm glad I got my start programming. Yeah, it's fair. I didn't do much programming uh, for my school's robotics team. But it was funny. I started the robotics team, skipped a year after it. So, like, I started it, but I never actually joined it the first year. I just kind of jump-started it. Uh, but then I was playing football. I joined my junior year and my senior year. So I did, like, the main scouting for my school. Yeah, I grew up in Missouri in a town with, like, 900 people. So we were lucky to have electricity. <laughs> I would have to turn on that there candle on the lantern. Did you grow up in Cardinals territory? Oh, yeah. Heavy. I, I, I lived in like San Diego the first 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. I moved to Missouri when I was 11. Humansville, Missouri. So it sounds like a place where like cannibals live. <laughs> Might as well. Backwoods Ozarks. Like by where the, the show Ozarks takes place. Is Missouri where Walt Disney was from? Uh... You know what? He might he might have been. There are a lot of anti Semites back there. <laughs> with that I'm, with that heritage. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Now he was born in Chicago, Illinois, but I thought he lived in Missouri. Like I thought his family had a farm up there. I know I know Mark Twain's from there. Mark Twain's from Missouri? Yeah. That makes sense. Guess that explains Huckleberry uh, Huckleberry Finn. Yep, it's man. Yeah, I'm sure that's like, Andrew's like, oh, good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, start diving into the episode. Uh, before we get started, uh, go ahead and rate and review our podcast, please. Uh, we still haven't 
a decent amount of five star reviews, but we've had no comments on them. So we like the input. Uh, go ahead. If, if you write a review, I'm sure we'll shout you out. Uh, Ian might even get a tattoo of your name if you give us a five star review and an actual comment on it. Yep, I've got two empty arms. I'm looking to fill them out. So. <laughs> That's fair. At least he agreed to it. Yeah, uh, get creative with those usernames, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing vulgar, nothing vulgar, but something creative, please. Yeah. Like, you can go PG-13 with it. Okay. He doesn't want, like, Cat Lady 2077, like, on his arm. Like, come on, come up with something creative. I <laughs> mom, and, like, heart is spelled H-U-R-T. <laughs> Wait. Well, I guess that'd be H-U-E-R-T? I hurt, I hurt mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, the FBI is going to be knocking on my door in the next couple hours. What yep. do you do to your mom? <laughs> I, I don't hurt her, sorry, bro. Have you ever seen that gif of the guy, like, or like the photo? He has like the tattoo on his chest that says, no rec rats. Yeah, that's a okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's spelled like R-H. Yeah, those are great. And like all the ones with the, uh, the uh, you know, the Chinese characters and people that don't. You know, speak or write in Chinese. They have no idea what's actually. Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. I can't write or speak Chinese, so they could just be lying about what's actually the the thing means. <laughs> I'm I, sure they are. There was a guy I worked at SeaWorld who had Japanese writing on his arm, and uh, you know, people would ask him what it said, and he would just you know say whatever, like oh, like family love, yada 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 yada. Uh, and then a Japanese tourist came complained about it and it turns out that it was something vulgar so i mean honestly yeah if you were a japanese tattoo artist and you know you just decide to mess with the guy or he's being rude to you all in the tattoo chair you know you can try whatever you want what, what are they gonna say yeah i mean well nothing because uh <laughs> yeah, they don't know what it says until right? so. they like take a picture with a google translate <laughs> <laughs> like the ones where you like take it to a uh uh, the, the camera of your phone and it like changes the uh, changes everything. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's just like baby band on your arm. And <laughs> you're like, oh man, I got got. <laughs> how do you like, I, I don't even know, like how would you cover that up? That would be like such a complex, you'd have to find a really good artist. A, sh a basketball shooter sleeve. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just straight black. For the rest of your life. <laughs> Oh man, what were uh, we talking about? Are we supposed to be talking about baseball? After yeah, baseball uh, I, I talked, <laughs> we're talking about three hours. Don't you worry. Uh, so, uh, besides uh, leaving a comment and um, getting our that comment tattooed to our arms, or at least Ian's arm, uh, go ahead and um, let us know how we're doing. Join our community, uh, Down and Away Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's a good place to uh, post memes, uh, do a little bit of chatter. Just kind of let us know what we can do to make our show better or if you want to contribute to our show in any kind of way. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of us. Um, anybody have anything to add before we get started? Just jump in. Oh, let's get right into it. Yeah, let's go. I'm down. I'm ready. Perfect. All right. So on this week's episode... We are going to go ahead and talk about this season's storylines for the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Angels. 
Uh, it was just announced, a couple, uh, I think yesterday, officially, that shocker, there's going to be no minor league baseball season. I know we all had our hearts set on it. Uh, we've gotten into the show seriously, and we've talked about how much we all enjoy minor league baseball. It's not much of a surprise, but it still sucks to see, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All those players like losing a full year development. It's pretty tough for some of the top prospects if they're not getting put on the 60-man rosters. They're not getting any baseball this year, really. If they start up cold next year, probably going to ruin a lot of prospects' timelines. Kind of that are in the critical stage of their development. You know, maybe single A, double A. I yeah. really want to know what the long-term effects of this are going to be for Major League Baseball. You know, I kind of have like this outside, like out of left field, like theory because a lot of teams are guaranteeing their prospects what, like four hundred dollars a week plus full medical for like, the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And, like, you look at the salaries, and players aren't even usually making that much, in like, especially the lower levels, like, where the you have prospects that are making, like, you know, like, 200 bucks a week type stuff. So I wonder if, like, having a little bit extra money, some time, where they can, like, focus on, like, their conditioning and things like that, if we're going to see, like, a new class of players coming up that are they were less stressed, they had better, more time to work out, get their bodies in shape, you know, practice on their fundamentals. If we're going to see like different people shoot up the prospects list, that's an yeah. interesting. I, I, I can I can see happen. something maybe similar to that, but I don't know. I just think not being able to play like competitive baseball for a whole year is going to definitely hurt a good amount of players. I think we'll probably see the real cream of the crop prospects kind of stay up there, but it could be tough for like mid tier prospects, like fringe top one hundred guys. Yeah, kind of stay yeah. stay in the game. Yeah, it'll be tough for like the you know the David Fletchers, the Cole Calhouns, who were always under the radar, you know, to get that opportunity. The Tim Tebow's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those thirty-three-year-old ex-football prospects. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so so minor league baseball unfortunately isn't going to happen. I think I I think this is the first time since either nineteen oh one or ever. That there's going to be no minor league baseball season. I believe 1901 was the last time there was no minor league season. So this truly is unprecedented. Unprecedented, really. <laughs> um, they even had minor league system that far back, to be honest. Yeah, I heard it somewhere on the radio. Was uh, it affiliated minors or just like random independent leagues? Uh, they didn't elaborate, but I mean, yeah. I would imagine it'd be affiliated minor leagues. Yeah, I don't really know how the minors worked way back in the dub ball era, but I think there was a time where there was no affiliated minor leagues and just teams would send scouts to, you know, the random, you know, town teams and, you know, the factory teams to look for <laughs> look for players to sign to the big league team. That's right, they used to have factory teams. It's crazy mm-hmm. to think about. It's also crazy to think about the major league baseball players used to have day jobs. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, like what, the twenties where like, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd go to work. You'd work a full day, and then you'd go play baseball, and you'd get paid a quarter or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the money's definitely paced pretty well at baseball the last, like, 40 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good to be a baseball. Well, maybe not this year. I mean, this year is going to be pretty rough for a lot of these baseball players. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to get to that uh, in just a second. But, um, anything to add here about minor league before we just dive into each of our teams and talk about the main storylines? Unfortunately, nice. I, was, I was hoping to work for a minor league team this year, so <laughs> that sucks for me. <laughs> what team were you hoping to work for? 
so there's a team, there's the uh, Tri-City Valley Cats, which are right by my college, so I was hoping to do something part-time for them, but not going to work out this year, at least. Some analytics? Hopefully, yeah. Probably wouldn't have been anything like that, you know, entry-level internship positions, but you that's kind of what it's working towards, work? maybe. In Moneyball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more like fetching coffee for the front office guys, but got to pay the dues. That would be yeah, pretty cool, no, though. That's true. Yeah. Got to get your name in there. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, Andrew, anything about minor league baseball? I, don't, I think I got on everything I wanted to say. Just okay. uh, hopefully it comes back next year and we don't have half the teams. Yeah, right. I mean, they still expect to cut 40, so you never know. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and dive into some storylines for each of our respective teams. Um, who wants to go first? Should we start with uh, the Padres? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, uh, Andrew, go ahead. Take it away. What are some big storylines? So some of the big storylines are, I mean, most of it's like revolving around the Padres being that team that's on the cusp that's about to take that next step into being a, you know, hopefully like a perennial contender. So you got a bunch of young players coming up. Uh, you know, obviously the main focus would be like Fernando Tatis Jr. Is, you know, was his 80 games last year, like how he's going to perform this year. There's a lot of question marks around his game. You know, his defense, he had a high batting average in balls in play. So there's a, you know, right now it's like purely speculation on what type of player he's really going to be. He'll, he'll at least be like that player that hits like, you know, 270 with like an 850 OPS. I'm sure his defense will improve and, you know, he'll be like, you know, an all-star type year. But he could have that ceiling where he's like a, you know, perennial MVP type guy as well. So that's like probably going to be their main storyline outside of like as a team as a whole. And then you got, like, their second base uh, competition. You know, they got, like, 10 players there now. They just traded for Jorge Mateo from uh, the Athletics. He uh, really fast, has an 80-grade speed, was a former top prospect for the Yankees for a long time, then got traded to the A's in that, uh, that gray trade where the, the Yankees required uh, Sonny Gray. So he's 25 now and has been off the top prospect list for a couple of years. Had a Pretty decent season last year in AAA. Uh, showed a lot of power, a lot of triples. Um, but I mean, AAA, the PCL, is an extreme hitters league. So we'll see if that translates to the majors. So, I mean, besides him, you have, uh, you know, Brian Dozier competing for second base. You have Ty France competing for second base. You have uh, Profar uh, competing for second base. So there's, there's like five or six guys that are going to be competing for that second base job. So Padres are definitely trying to catch lightning in a bottle, and hopefully that one of these guys will step forward and be an above-average player. So that'll be interesting. That'll be kind of a really cool storyline for the few weeks of spring training that we have. And then, uh, you know, you got a bunch of uh, uh, question marks in the rotation, like will Garrett Richards take that step forward from his injuries and come back to form, or will his results from last year be more the norm because he did not do well last year? Then you got, uh, you know, Chris Paddock. Will his changeup develop and get that third pitch and be able to, you know, take a step forward as a top of the rotation type arm? Uh, you have Mackenzie Gore, who might be able to be competing for, you know, that fifth spot in rotation coming out of spring training. Uh, you got Patino, who's going to be competing for that uh, spot in the rotation. And, uh, you know, will, will Denilson Lamette uh, come out and take that step forward with his control and be that, like, dominating two-pitch pitcher out of the rotation? Which, uh, you know, because a lot of scouts think that you can't be, like, a dominating two-pitch pitcher. So there's a lot of different storylines. I think the 
the most critical of the pitching, like if I'm going to focus on one, will probably be Chris Paddock because he's got the you know the great fastball, the great changeup. So he really has to develop the curveball. If he could develop that curveball as a third pitch, he could be like a really like probably a Cy Young type type, type guy. Like just going out there every year, uh, sub three ERA, uh, you know, putting up seven eight innings, high strikeouts, low walks. He's got great control. But there's still a lot of question marks of whether or not he can actually develop that third pitch. At times, that was one of the most hittable pitches in baseball last year for him. He allowed a lot of home runs with that curveball. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of storylines with the Padres. <laughs> so a lot of question marks. <laughs> there's a couple that you're a couple of big ones that you're missing that I want to go ahead and add. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Kirby Yates was last season a fluke. I I. Personally, think it might have been. I well, mean, you also have to remember that Kirby Yates was an angel. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, he was on our team for three days and they cut him. So, that's true. I, I don't think that's fair to say Kirby Yates with the flute because that was his. That was actually his second year putting up numbers like that. I think a lot of people first, first year as a full time closer, right? Because the year before he wasn't a closer. He was they had Brad Hand the year before, I and mean, yeah. I think they were comfortable trading Brad Hand away because they had Kirby Yates. Yeah, also have to remember Yates. that. Kirby Yates, um, when he took over the closing gig last year, did not do very good. Oh, well, sorry, two years ago. Two years ago. Last year, he was obviously an all-star. Well, no, he, he did great. He actually uh, completed all the saves in the second half of the first year he took him, took over. Maybe I'm thinking about Brad Hand the other time he got traded. Yeah, I Brad, the time where Brad Hand wasn't doing too good. So maybe that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, because Kirby Yates in 2018 had a 2.14 ERA uh, in 63 innings, he had 90 strikeouts. He had a 2.54 FIP. Like peripherals, just all across the board were great. Uh, great control had like a 5.3 strikeout to walk ratio. Like he just immediately stepped in and was just in charge of that. You know, those late inning, like higher leverage spots. And then last year, you know, was last year a fluke with a 1.19 ERA and a 1.3 FIP, maybe. But, I mean, if he sets back and has a two ERA, then I'm not going to be complaining. Yeah, I mean, you look at his per nines, 15 strikeouts per nine, only 1.9 walks per nine. That's yeah. that's real, That's real. incredible. Probably not sustainable. And you look at 0.3 home runs per nine, that's definitely not sustainable. But yeah. I, I think, absolutely, I don't think he'll ever have a year at the 2019 level again. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was still a top, you know, all-star closer this year. Yeah, if he was, like, 2018, that'd be an all-star closer. 2019's, like... Cy Young competition, you know? Uh, but yeah, he was not very good with the Angels. What, 18 year, right? <laughs> so I, I can see why you're like skeptical of Kirby Yates, you know? Every yeah, time I, I mean, the rest of his career hasn't been that great. So then again, no. you know, you ask a Mets fan about Hansel Robles on the Angels or on the Mets, and everyone's like, wow, he was terrible. And on the Angels, it's like, bro, the guy who comes up to the Undertaker? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, Kirby Yates, his last 190 games, he has a 2-4 ERA. Yeah, no. I stand corrected, but, uh, you know, still something to look at. Um, another yeah. big storyline is going to be uh, the catching battle. I mean, yeah, Austin Hedges, who has just never really made that big jump in the major leagues. Defensively, he's elite. Everybody knows that. But his stick has just never been there. I mean, he's going to bat... About 200 to 215. Oh, that's really optimistic. <laughs> that's, that's really optimistic, him hitting 200. Yeah. What <laughs> no, about I, last year? 
Uh, like 170 or something. 176, 252, 311. Yeah. So, I mean, his defense is really elite, though. He led the. He led baseball last year in pitch framing. He was a uh, 20, 20 yeah. runs above average in 90 games. Francisco Mejia is not a good pitch framer. So, like, I actually got to an argument with someone on Reddit the other day on the uh, Padre subreddit about, like, Francisco Mejia versus Hedges being the catcher. Because Hedges by himself is worth about a quarter of a run a game just from his pitch framing. So that's a lot of offense to overcome, to, like, put up an extra quarter of a run a game, you know? Yeah, if you want to go by wins above replacement, baseball reference war does not take into account pitch framing. Austin Hedges put up negative .7 last season. But Fangrass, which does take into account, uh, gives him 1.4 in just 100 games. So, you know, factor that in, Fangrass makes him about a league average catcher, which... Honestly, yeah. for the Padres, definitely not bad. And compared to baseball reference says he was one of the worst players in baseball last year. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that you could you could have a guy that could be so dominant defensively but only come out as league average because he hits like a pitcher. Yeah. And he actually just got in trouble with the Padres because he uh, was not social distancing and posted some pictures on uh, Instagram of him being at a barbecue with like <laughs> 30 <here>? people. <laughs> no mask. Oh, Hedges. Yeah, Hedges, yeah, so... Right now, he's kind of in the doghouse with the Padres fans. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to talk about Manny Machado yet. $300 million man. I know. Yep. There's there's like 45 different Padres storylines. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it, we got uh, that. Is, is Machado it? worth it? Is, uh, you know, is he, I mean, he didn't have a terrible year, but it certainly wasn't what you expect from somebody you paid $300 million to. And then Eric yeah. Cosmer, will he be a positive war player? You know, you have Will Myers. There's just so many question marks with the Padres. The Padres are a team that I could easily see being in the playoff hunt, and they're also a team that could easily be one of the teams in the gutter, you know? Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and there's another storyline with Ron Fowler talking about how if the Padres, before the season, before COVID and everything <laughs> came down, there yeah. was a lot of speculation that A.J. Preller was going to be on the block if the Padres didn't improve this year. Yeah, like drastically the exact improved. quote was, heads are going to roll. Yeah, I feel like right now with everything going on, we're not going to see like a big shift because there's only 60 games. Yeah. So I think they're just going to take the season, see what's going to happen. But man, yeah. Honestly, it's hard to imagine how they would move from AJ Preller after a year like this year because it's such a bad hand to be dealt. I mean, let's just say that out of 60 games, you only win, you know, 20 of them. It's like, well, it was a short season. The team didn't get a fully developed, like, you know, they didn't really get the time. The youngsters who just got called up never really got their feet wet. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard to blame the general manager for such a small sample size. So I think that might actually work to AJ's benefit if he wants to at least stick around maybe one more full year. Yeah, I don't I don't think AJ wants to go anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I really think with like his player development skills, because he's really turned the Padres farm system and development system into like one of the tops in baseball, like just every year. That if they were going to make a change to maybe give someone like a a co position where they're more in charge of like the major league roster and the free agents in the major league level, and ha- keep AJ in charge of like developing developing the minor league system and having someone that he has to like you know conference in with on major league decisions. Yeah, Dave Dombrowski yeah, needs the job. Like- he specializes in destroying minor league systems. <laughs> that might be like the perfect combination. 
can you imagine like what it'd be like to be AJ Preller and like just get to the point now where a lot of the guys you drafted when you first came or the guys you first traded for when you, you know, tore it down in 2015 or what, 2016 is when they really started tearing down, right? Um, you know, those guys are finally starting to come up. You know, Tatis is starting to come up. You know, Mackenzie Gore is going to come up. All these guys, all these big names. Francisco Mejia might actually get a shot to fully flourish after the Brad Hand trade, even though he's had a while now. Um, there's a lot of these guys. They're finally starting to get their feet wet in the show. And can you imagine just getting fired? Like, oh, hey, you know, thanks for getting everything started. And all of a sudden, some general manager is going to come do nothing, yet they're going to get all the credit for making the Padres a playoff team. Yeah, I, I think it would be one of the biggest mistakes the Padres ever did to get rid of him right now. I think they need to give him at least two, three more seasons. You're getting kind of quiet. Oh, am I? Did I, like... There you go. I think you're better now. There you go. Better? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I was twiddling with my cable. That's probably what happened. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Mejia, like, really took a step forward, like, last year in the second half. I mean, you got Tatis and all these different players coming up. And, you know, you have a, a young farm system coming up. You have Preller, who's learning on the job. I think he's been making better roster decisions on the major league level lately than he did in the beginning, obviously. Because a lot of people forget that he really had his hand forced by ownership to make a winner right when he came in. So that's why you had the Matt Kemp trade. That's why you had the Will Myers trade. They wanted to come in and make a huge splash. James Shields. Yeah, James Shields. Uh, but, you know, he turned it into Fernando Tatis, you know? So you can't, like, can't really fault him on that one. That turned out to be probably one of the better transactions in Padres history. That might, that might turn out to be one of the best transactions in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else about the uh, Padres or any huge storylines that uh, we might be missing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people, like what you said about Mejia, like in the second half last year, he had a hit 305 with an 866 OPS. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out of the, you know, out of the gate this year, a short season, and puts up some ridiculous offensive numbers as a catcher DH. So yeah. That, that, yeah, so I mean, a lot, a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting storylines to follow as a Padres fan. Pretty excited for this year. Well, one thing I'm interested in, you know, from the outside looking in, is the outfield situation in San Diego. Just they have two, you know, new faces in Tommy Pham and Trent Grisham to see how they fit into the new outfield. I've always been a big Tommy Pham fan, so rooting for him. Uh, and honestly, that outfield looks pretty stacked right now with. Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, you got Will Myers maybe having a comeback year. Uh, looking like a solid lineup in San Diego. I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, see if they can compete with the Dodgers for 20 games to start the year. And 60 game, <laughs> 60 game season, anything can happen. All right, uh, Ian, you want to go ahead and talk about some Dodgers storylines? Yeah, absolutely. I think the big one on everybody's mind is Mookie Betts. Uh, see how he can do in his. Season one out of an unknown amount of seasons in Los Angeles. Uh, I think everybody's hoping he'll be here for a while. Everybody's hoping he'll be here for a while, but, you know, very real possibility this could be his only season in Dodger Blue. So I think it'll be really great having that MVP right-handed bat in the lineup. You know, Dodgers kind of this this iteration of teams has had a pretty left-handed heavy lineup. So be good having that, you know, 
everyday established leadoff man as well, which some of the Dodgers haven't had in a while, is that like kind of classical leadoff guy with you know speed and contact at the top of the order. Um, yeah, so the two MVPs, Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger in the outfield, see if Cody Bellinger can have a season similar to last season's. I think everybody would take a repeat of last season's or anything close to that, really. Um, another big one, I think, is Gavin Lux. Uh, having his first full, projected to have his first full season. He's projected as the opening day second baseman for the Dodgers. Uh, number two, number three prospect in baseball, depending on who you ask. Um, so see if you can continue that tradition of Dodgers Rookie of the Years. R- rookies of the Year. I don't know the plural of that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Dustin May as well, another you know top 15 prospect. Uh, projected not to be in the opening day rotation, but definitely will get innings, uh, especially with this you know 60-man taxi squad style roster. Um, so he'll get innings, he'll get chances. I'm excited to see if he can break through, uh, kind of give that Do- the Dodgers you know a third ace option. Uh, the Dodgers have Kershawn Bueller at the top of the rotation, and they have guys like David Price who they traded for in the Betts deal. Um, Julio Arias is getting a chance, uh, kind of his first chance as a full-time starter since he had that big injury in 2016, I think. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see where that goes. Um, so it's kind of a combination of seeing how well this, it's a pretty combined roster of veterans like Kershaw, Turner, um, with these new guys like Lux, Bueller, Gonsolin, May, see how they can kind of mesh with this new roster. Um I think another big storyline I want to see is if Corey Seager can come back and have a good year. Uh, Corey Seager, of course, he kind of seemed like the future, you know, MVP of the Dodgers in these 2016-2017 seasons. Uh, Tommy John surgery in 2018, missed almost that whole year, uh, and then had some injury troubles last year as well. Had a decent but not great year, so I'm kind of hoping to see he can get back in an MVP form. I uh, also get to see Justin Turner. Uh, Kind of probably going to be more of a DH role this season. So we'll see him on full rest more often. Hoping he can, you know, kind of jumpstart the Dodgers offense. He's classically been kind of a slow starter. So hopefully he can shake off the rust. Uh, but, you know, the past few seasons, he hasn't been able to really get going until May, June. So hopefully he can get through that early season slump. That's about all I have off the top of my head. Did uh, Did you guys hear that the Dodgers were pumping in crowd noise today? Yes, I did see that. I mean, I like it. I'm a fan of it. Always a fan of showmanship. <laughs> I think it's a little strange, but I mean, you know, hey, I, I, I'm all for it. It's got to be so weird to be a baseball player or, I mean, any kind of athlete and now have to play in empty stadiums. Like, you work your whole life to not deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a reason why you don't want to go to certain teams or organizations not going to point anything out, athletics, Rays, Marlins. <laughs> well, I mean, you're seeing a lot of teams uh, with these season ticket packages. They're always selling cardboard cutout packages where you can get your face on a cardboard cutout to sit the in the stands. Did that, yes. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I think you said it was like, what, $87? Yeah. yeah. $87 to get a cardboard cutout of yourself. Yeah, then if the foul ball hits you, your cutout will mail you the... Ball. Yeah, it's hilarious. But I mean, it's a it's a clever way to try to get some revenue. Yeah, the, the A's are still only going to have eighty people, but yeah, <laughs> still more people than a typical Tuesday night. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was there on opening day a couple years ago. I went in seventeen and eighteen. I was there on eight in eighteen. So, yeah, we, okay. So, 
I think this is this was when I went in seventeen with my uh, godfather, and uh, opening day it was opening night. There was sixteen thousand people at an opening day dash night baseball game. Sixteen thousand—that's no exaggeration. And then I promise you, the next night there was two thousand five hundred people. Jeez. I I swear that's what the employee told me. I asked. Because they were like, oh, today's official attendance is like uh, 11,000, yada, yada, yada. And I looked at an employee, and I was like, there's no way there's 11,000. She's like, the actual attendance is a little under 2,500. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. This is the second game of the season. (laughs) Uh, Granted, the Warriors were playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think it was, in the finals (laughs) that night. Literally next door. So, you know, maybe everyone in Oakland who actually had money or, you know, wasn't paying it on $2 million worth of rent. That's true. Uh, was just at that game. <laughs> I mean, those, those auditoriums don't hold that many people, those arenas. No, but I mean. <laughs> I think that's just a standard A's night. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Man, it's, it's crazy, though. I was, you know, I go there up there like once a month. Uh, and uh, it, it's insane to look at some of those homes, which aren't like crazy, and to like look at the prices, and they're worth like two million dollars. It's insane. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, I literally saw a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house for two point five million dollars in downtown San Francisco. Yeah, it's prime real estate. Yeah. I just yeah. Yeah, let's have a thirteen thousand dollar month mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, come on, Elon. Elon Musk is like the only person that can afford a house up there. Right? Well, Jeff Bezos. But Yeah. <laughs> I saw that uh, there were protesters with the guillotine outside of his house. Jeff Who's Bezos. That? Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's horrible. I know. I don't like Jeff Bezos, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's funny, you know, throwing back to the French Revolution, I guess. But probably not funny for Jeff Bezos. No, no. He, he's gonna, <laughs> the, the person who's projected to be the world's first trillionaire is going to sue the heck out of you yeah. for harassment. There, there was a, one thing I wanted to bring up about the Dodgers and their storyline. because I'm really curious about how David Price is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to have a bounce back season? Is, yeah, because I, I think he was pretty elite last year considering the AL East and like the high home run rates. His, his peripherals were really good last year. And Fe- the fact that he's playing in Fenway, Fenway's a hitter's dream. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, he he put up a four two ERA with a three six FIP, so definitely some signs towards positive regression. Um, he seemed pretty excited for the change of scenery. I think there was a lot of aspects of Boston that he was not really a fan of. Um, he, I'm from you know, obviously he's going to put on a show for the media, but from the few interviews he did in LA, I think he seemed pretty excited to be a Dodger. And you know you see you see that factor in with guys like Matt Kemp, where you know the change of scenery really factors and it really gives them kind of a resurgence in their career. So I, I'm he doesn't have to be great; he just has to be that solid, serviceable number three, number four starter. But if he can be anything more than that, then that'd be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at his like strikeout to walk ratio. He averaged ten point seven strikeouts per nine, uh, only two point seven walks with a four to one strikeout to walk ratio. Yeah, that's great. Ten seven strikeouts per nine. That's elite. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you know, you take you take him out of Fenway, put him into a pitcher's park like Dodgers, you know, Dodger Stadium. I can see a big improvement. Yeah, I can definitely see it. I mean, it's going to be an interesting kind of rotation battle, rotation situation. Um, again, with the young guys like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. 
Um, but also uh, off-season acquisitions. Alex Wood coming back. Kind of that would be interesting. I think he's penciled in as the open as the fifth starter for opening day. So he'll he's in the opening day rotation. Uh, and then Jimmy Nelson as well. Interesting bounce back candidate. Um, he was an all-star type player in 2016-2017 for the Brewers. And I think he had Tommy John surgery. It hasn't been that great since. I thought the Dodgers got him on a cheap one-year deal, so he's an interesting bounce-back candidate. Um, didn't even talk about the bullpen a whole lot, but uh, Blake Trinan was acquired, another you know one-year bounce-back style player. Um, he was you know a Cy Young contender in 2018, and pretty terrible last year. Uh, so he's with the Dodgers on a one-year deal, kind of just working on that bridge to Jansen. Uh, and then Kenley Jansen as well. Still a little bit of a question mark. He was okay. He wasn't that great last season. Um, he went through long stretches where he was really not that good, and I didn't trust him with the ball in, in the last couple innings of the game. But he also went through stretches where I had total faith in him. So pretty inconsistent last season. Um, everybody's a couple hoping, of those pitchers who have had that exact yeah. same thing. So that's yeah. pretty normal. <laughs> I think it'll be pretty interesting to see if he can get back to I don't think he'll ever get back to that elite, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 status. But he can, he can be a good closer. He can be a you know, all-star type closer again. I think both him and Clayton Kershaw were working with driveline last season or in the off season. Um, hopefully to help get some of that velocity back that they've been losing. since They've been aging. Um, so that'd be cool. I do want to see Clayton Kershaw get back to that, you know, Cy Young contender level. So excited to see that as well. Speaking of Clayton Kershaw, he's only 36 strikeouts away from having 2,500 in his career. Yeah, that's, that's remarkable. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I mean, Clayton Kershaw is young. Not young, but he's 32. Yeah, and, I mean, he's not you know, a young buck, but I mean, yeah, he's... He's 32, but he has, you know, 11 seasons of mileage on his arm. And he's he struggled with some injuries, but really on the whole, he's been pretty healthy. You know, he you know had a stretch from 2009 to 2015 where he basically made 30 starts every season. Yeah. Like, he's a workhorse, for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of mileage on the arm, but hopefully driveline kind of unlocks something to... You know, get him back to that. Uh, his fastball's definitely been declining of velocity the last few years. I think in 2017, it was probably sitting like 93-94, and last season it was sitting like 89-90. So, hopefully he regains some of that velocity. Do you think he still has some years left in him, or do you think he's going to oh, be no question. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I, I don't think we'll ever see, you know, Cy Young, 2 ERA Clayton Kershaw again, but I can easily see, you know, three, four more seasons of All-Star 3 ERA Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, no, um, a lot of those Dodgers storylines are going to be, you know, interesting to watch. It's also going to be interesting to see all three of our teams in the same division for once. It's true. So it'll be, you know, we're probably going to see a lot of each other, which will be fun for our podcast. But, yeah, no, the Dodgers, dare I say, and, I mean, it hurts me to say it, I mean, they're 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 the favorite to win it all this year. Let's be honest. I mean, they've all, they're just that team that's always been one or two pieces short um, you know, as much as it pains me to say every year, if I ever had to put money on it, I'd probably just about always pick the Dodgers if I'm being unbiased. I mean, Andrew, as much as you hate the Dodgers, over the last couple of years, would you not have betted for them? Oh, yeah. I would have totally bet for them. I knew how to bet on sports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's starting to become legal, so. That's but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers... Going into the season, we're sitting at like a h- above ninety percent chance to win the NL West, uh, oh. with something like a twenty to twenty-five percent chance to win the World Series. I think. 
Um, but since, you know, with the shortened season, that's declined to about a 70% chance to win the division. So and the Dodgers, along with like the Yankees and Astros, are probably the teams that stand to lose the most from the shortened season. So there's so much room for variance, you know, when you only have a third of the games. But um, still definitely high hopes for the season. It's another season where anything less than the World Series is a disappointment. Yeah. I, okay. Um, being completely um, transparent uh, for all of you guys, how much longer, assuming the Dodgers don't win a World Series, let's just say, you know, for the next like decade or so, uh, in this hypothetical situation, how much longer do you think the Dodgers have until ownership is just done with it and they just tear everything down? They're like, all right, we're done. And they pull, a, you know, an, an Astros or a Cubs where they just shredded the thing, restarted. Well, the nice thing about the Dodgers is they basically have unlimited money. So there's, I don't think we'll ever see a full rebuild. I could see some retooling years, kind of similar to what the Yankees had in the middle of the decade, where they're good, not great, and the lineup is kind of just a bunch of veterans. But they're kind of, and so instead of, you know, tanking for draft picks and, you know, just working on developing the system, they'll be able to funnel enough money in the system where they can still afford to have, you know, maybe some past their prime veterans. Um, kind of manning the everyday spots, but I don't think we'll ever see, or not ever, I don't think in the coming decade we'll see a full rebuild. And, you know, I can't really project anything beyond the coming decade, so. All right. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, as a Padre fan, I feel like the Dodgers should just be good for the next 25 years. <laughs> but, you know, that's my optimistic side, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. if any team can do it, you know. We have a good development system and most importantly, lots of money. So <laughs> it's just really hard, though. Like the, the biggest thing with the Dodgers over the last couple of years, you know, with them not winning is just is just you know bad play here. You know, dollar dollar a short day late really is what it's been for the Dodgers. You know what I mean? It was one bad thing. It was one bad play. You know, if you could take a mulligan to this inning, if you could have you know taken Kershaw out before he made a bad pitch, things like that. You know what I mean? Or Joe Kelly making a bad pitch. That's really what it's boiled down to for, you know, the last couple seasons. And, you know, it's one play could have changed the outcome. I mean, the Dodgers almost beat a cheating Astros team. Yeah, four seasons in a row, the Dodgers have lost to the eventual World Series winner. So, Well, I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather lose to the World Series winner than somebody who just got eliminated the next round? Absolutely. At least you can be like, well, at least we lost to the champions, you yeah. know. Instead of like, well, at least we lost to these losers who got swept. <laughs> <laughs> and then the team they got swept by didn't even win. Yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. feel for the Braves, who really <laughs> they really shit the bed at the get in their game five, and then the Cardinals immediately got swept in like one of the least exciting series I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, that's what happens. Um, all right. Anything else about the Dodgers? Anything that you guys have? I think I hit all the points I want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, there's really not too much with like the Dodgers. Coincidentally, I mean, it, it's just all the stuff that we. The Dodgers aren't a drastically different team than they were last year. You know, obviously Mookie Betts is a huge name, and that's going to be the biggest storyline. But I mean, I think we beat that to death on this podcast already. You know, was the trade worth it? You know, if they win a ring, sure. But besides that, it doesn't matter. It probably wasn't worth it, especially with the 60-game season. Um, and that's really going to be the biggest storyline going into this year. Anybody going to disagree? If you have to pick one thing for the Dodgers, it's Mookie. Oh, right? yeah, one thing, it's Mookie best for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
It uh, has to be, you know. And maybe the second biggest storyline is is Clayton Kershaw. You know, is he still a? Is he just an ace? Is he still elite? Is Walker Bueller now going to be the new guy in town? You know, Walker Bueller's great. I'm a big Walker Bueller guy. Um, but you know, can Clayton Kershaw still show the fans like, hey man, like I'm not done yet? Or you know, is he going to slowly start fading into irrelevance? You know, I don't. I don't think Clayton Kershaw's done for another. You know, I think in about two or three years, that's when he'll really start showing that age. I think he's going to age a little earlier than most pitchers. I mean, you said he's only thirty-two, but I mean, he has so many miles on that arm, especially with the postseason. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think we're maybe being too hard on Kershaw, and like you were talking about with driveline. I remember one of the big storylines before everything shut down was that he had to regain some of his velocity that he hadn't shown in like two to three years. Yeah, he yeah. I think he was sitting like 92, 93, so... Yeah, which was like 2017 levels. And then last year, even with his reduced velocity, what, 16 and 5 with 3 ERA? Yeah, he still had more than 9 strikeouts per 9. Like. I'll take 5 of those in my starting rotation. Yeah. <laughs> Walk into the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I, if I had to pick one guy to start the game, start, you know, game 7 of the World Series, I'd probably pick Walker Buehler over Kershaw, but... It's definitely no knock against Kershaw. I think he's still definitely an all-star caliber player. I mean, if he was an elite postseason pitcher, you'd probably be picking Kershaw. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> I mean, it's also it's also so weird because now whenever we hear Clayton Kershaw in playoffs, it's like, well, I mean, is he as bad as we thought? Because if you remove 2017, I mean, granted he didn't have a great start last year in the, the NLDS, but still. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 2017 was where his real downfall was. Quote, it was, it was, it was, you know, like two innings in 2017. Yeah. I mean, but those two innings were, you know, probably the difference. I mean, obviously the cheating didn't help either. But, you know, there's that chronic uh, of every time he makes that bad throw when he just gets down and squats and covers his face. You know, that's just. That image to me is synonymous with Dodgers and playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to 2017, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea of ever blaming it on one guy. You know, in a seven-game oh, series, yeah. any, any, any play, any person could have been the difference. So I've never been a fan of blaming Kershaw or blaming Darvish or blaming Jansen. Kind of a team thing. But you I can't mean, blame Bill Buckner if you're a Red Sox fan. That was. <laughs> Or Moises Alou if you're a Cubs fan. Well, even Bill Buckner, if um, Bob Stanley hadn't thrown the wild pitch to let the tying run score, then he wouldn't have been in the situation to make the error. So there you go. It was only game six as well. They could have won game seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair. But, I mean, you can say the same thing, like I said, with Moises Alou. And uh, what was that fan's name? Steve Bartman, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah I'll blame him. Yeah. <laughs> Moises well, Alou isn't going to catch that ball. Come on. <laughs> the most hated man ever. Yeah, like yeah most definitely could have caught that ball. Yeah, but he had to dive into the stands for it. It's like that's not a guaranteed catch. <laughs> well, and then later in the inning, their shortstop, you know, let a double play ball go through his legs and <laughs> would have ended the inning. That's true. I mean, Will Myers made that impressive play where he like, where he like stuck his glove out in front of that little, little Dodger fan. That's true. I remember that. Yeah, that was a pretty good play. Yeah. I mean, that kid's glove was right there, literally right there. I know. We just need to have. Will Myers competing with an eight-year-old to catch every ball. And he might be good defensively. <laughs> he, might, he might have gotten that gold glove in a 16. Yeah. All right. Uh, so one more time. Any Dodgers? Anything else about the Dodgers? 
No, I think, I think we touched everything. Yeah. I, I cool. think I've reached my max amount of wanting to talk about the team that's going to beat the crap out of my team. <laughs> oh, we missed one. We missed one thing, which is AJ Pollock. Um, he was he was okay last season. I don't think he his performance didn't excite anybody. And then he went 0 for 13 with 11 strikeouts in the playoffs. I I don't mind him personally, but if I had to pick one guy that might be like most people's least favorite Dodger, it's probably AJ Pollock. So I'm hoping for him to have a big bounce back season. He's probably gonna be platooning with Jock Peterson in left field. Um, so excited to see what he, he can do. That's it. I'm done. You, you can keep going now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he got right. a bad rep last year. He wasn't that bad for how much he played. Um, okay. So I guess it's my turn. Yeah, yeah go for it. Let's hear the angels. <clears throat> All right. So I, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing for the angels, um, uh, is going to be health. And that's just kind of been the, the theme for, you know, basically all of last decade and, and we're going to kick off this decade with the same thing. Um, you know, can players stay healthy? Can the pitchers stay healthy? Pitching period is going to be a big storyline, you know. Is this staff enough? I think that the staff has potential to be a above-average squad. Um, I think Shohei Otani can be an ace. Uh, a lot of people forget how good he was in 2018. I mean, he was great. You know, uh, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have definitely been an all-star. I mean, didn't he almost get a no-hitter in his second uh, start? Yeah. yeah. He made it to, like, what, the seventh inning? Yeah, he's really good. He's, he's going to be good. I mean, his case nine are elite. His splitter is elite. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, got him rookie of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, not to mention he's – also a above average hitter. I mean, I, I would say he's a. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't know what he's better at, hitting or pitching. I mean, he's really good at both when he's healthy. You know, we've only saw a a small sample size of him pitching. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> I would take. I would take a healthy Otani as a full time hitter or a full time pitcher. I think he'd be great at both. So I do think that if he can stay healthy the rest of his career, I do think that we'll be talking one day about Shohei Otani being one of the most talented players in baseball. Uh, You know, in baseball history, I mean. I mean, I I don't think it's far-fetched to say as far as talent, he's probably one of the most talented right now. Who else can pitch and hit at, you know, an elite level? Uh, Throw Mike Trout in there see what he can do. (laughs) He was a pitcher in high school. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, I've seen Mike Trout pitch uh, like uh, during pregame warmups just for fun, and I mean, you know, he he was gunning him in there. I mean, it looked like he was only throwing fastballs, but whatever, good enough. Yeah. Um, sure, he'd find a way to be elite. <laughs> He's yeah, that right. Type of guy. He'd figure it out. Um, Dylan Bundy uh, got traded over from the Orioles. Uh, he was always average in Baltimore, so you know, can he be an above-average pitcher? Can he get you? You know, like in a full season, can it get you anywhere from about 12 to 15 wins? This year, I'm guessing it'll be more like six. So, you know, can he get you that? Can he keep his ERA down? Uh, Julio Teheran, uh, he did pretty uh, good in uh, Atlanta. He's always had a very good ERA. Um, his FIP has always been high. So, you know, yeah, can I mean, he this, have an average season? I think this this is gonna be good for you guys because you got sixty games, so you don't have to worry so much about keeping people healthy. Yeah, no, I, I 
And the biggest advantage the Angels are going to have, if this season would have started when it was supposed to at the end of March, uh, we wouldn't have had Griffith Canning, who, if you guys don't know, he's a great, young, promising pitcher. Uh, has the stuff to be a number two guy. Uh, Shoei Otani would not have been ready. And Felix Pena wouldn't have been ready. So those are going to be three uh, very important pieces to the Angels' puzzle. And they're all going to be healthy to kick off the season. So that's going to help the Angels out. Um, you know, we don't have to worry about health as much. Uh, there's a guy who we just signed named Anthony Rendon. Nobody's ever heard of him. But uh, he's pretty good. He had a, a very good uh, playoff last year. He was very clutch uh, when it mattered for the Nationals in their World Series run. So, you know, can he come to Anaheim and can he be the guy that Mike Trout has been looking for? Mike Trout has had, you know, an average amount of protection and a younger Pujols um, and uh, Justin Upton for a little while when he was healthy uh, in Shohei Otani. But... You know, he's never really had an almost Mike Trout caliber hitter behind him. And I'm not going to say that Anthony Rendon is as good of a hitter as Mike Trout. Rendon yeah, yeah. is a career 290 hitter. But he's been batting over 300 for his last three years. So, you know, he's his name is almost just as feared as Mike Trout. Um, can that is that batting order going to be as elite as people are expecting it to be? Yeah. Especially if Upton can take a step back from those, or step forward from those injuries last year and produce like he used to. Yeah, he's coming in healthy. I don't know if you guys saw him, but the guy's jacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited. And Rendon, you know, he's really good. Last year, what he had a thousand OPS, over 400 on base. Yeah, he, so he's that, he's incredible. Yeah, having him, Does, I think he deserves every dollar he got. Yeah, I wish the Padres could have held off and signed him instead. Hey, <laughs> Machado. Yeah, I mean, so, I think I think Machado's going to step step forward again. I mean, I do too. Yeah, he, he'd still be worth it if he had ten years like he did last year, like in the dollar sense, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple other storylines. Um, Albert Pujols is five home runs away from six hundred and sixty-one. That would make him uh, bring him into the top five all-time home runs. He'd pass uh, the Say Hey Kid. So. Yeah. I, I hope he gets more than five home runs. That should be pretty doable for him. Oh, yeah. He'll get five home runs, 16. If he's getting that bad, he'll get there, yeah. Yeah, even if he has to press near the end of the season, I think he wants I think he wants it. He only has two years left under contract. This is one of them. So one year after this one. Um, he's 12 RBIs away from uh, 2087. That would make him second all-time ahead of A-Rod. Unfortunately, unless he plans on re-signing another contract with somebody else after he's done with the Angels, he's probably not going to get a chance to uh, be the all-time RBI guy, but he would have. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just a great career. He had an opportunity to do it. Um, Mike Trout is 15 home runs away from 300. That would make him the all-time leader in home runs for the Angels. <laughs> That's wow. insane. Yeah, as of right now, it's Tim Salmon with 299. That guy was really good. Yeah, Tim Salmon was pretty good. Uh, we've talked about him on the show before, but, um, you know, that would probably make Mike Trout uh, the best angel of all time. Uh, not already? <laughs> yeah. yeah, not that there's any doubt right now. But, you know, as of right now, you know, uh, he's not leading in every single category for angels just yet. So, you know, that's one of them. <laughs> 
Yeah, now we need him to go after uh, Chuck Chuck Finley's uh, yeah. all-time win record. We need him to go on the mound so he can uh, get to, what is it, 150 <laughs> wins or whatever it was? Yeah. It wasn't anything too crazy. No, but he, uh, besides enough. that, you know, there's going to be some interesting position battles. Um, you're going to, uh, second base, Tommy Lastella or David Fletcher. Um, will Joe Adele make it to the show this year? Um, how about Brandon Marsh? Uh, you've already mentioned Justin Upton. So there's definitely a lot going on this year in Angel World, for sure. Uh, you know, Joe Madden's back. So what can he do with this squad? Will they make the playoffs? You know, there's it's going to really be an interesting time for all three of our teams. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I definitely hope there's some kind of a conversation that we're having and you know, about three months where all of our teams are in the playoff. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I hope so. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I, but I don't think it's going to happen because we're all in the same division. So That's true. And uh, they didn't expand the playoffs. You know, kind of like a side note, with how much we're going to be playing inside the division, I was calculating it. And I think what each, at least the NLS, right, we're all going to be playing like, like seven, eight games at Rocky Stadium. It's true. That's good. Like normally, it's like he played ten games in a full season. And well, now yeah, yeah, for the AL West, it gets kind of canceled out by also playing in San Francisco and playing in San Diego. But yeah, I was just thinking though that that's gonna be a lot of. I mean, that's like a big percentage of your games at the Mahal Stadium. Yeah, to see of... Mike Trout in course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I hope. Mike Trout just skyrocket some balls over there. Oh, we get, I got to see uh, Cole Calhoun play against the uh, Angels. That'll be fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's on the he's on Diamondbacks. He is. Yeah, there's just a lot of things. I mean, um, I went, was it two years ago now? I think it was, yeah, 20. Where uh, the Padres played the Angels at Petco Park, or well, vice versa. The Angels played the Padres at Petco Park, and I was there for all three games. Games <laughs> in. It was so weird to be at Petco Park seeing the Angels. So it'll be even weirder to turn it on, you know, TV and watch that game. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird. But I got a lot of friends who are Padres fans, and you know, my dad's a Padres fan. He's also a, a he's also starting to turn into a big Angels fan too. But um, those are gonna be some fun games to watch. They really are. Absolutely, yeah. The Dodgers always play like crap against the Angels, so. Get to see, you know, you know, yeah. one eighth of our games against them. That won't be great. The one thing I will say about Dodgers versus Angels game, those are always the most fun games to go to. I've been to some where the Angels have won and the Dodgers have won. I think the Angels have won the most of the ones I've been to, but um, they're all they always come down to the end of the game every time. It's always yeah, you favorite, know good. End. My favorite Dodgers games, my favorite Dodgers game I attended was against Dodgers Angels at Dodger Stadium. So got to see Andre Ethier hit a walk off home run. So, probably my favorite in-person Dodger memories. Yeah. I was that like a couple years ago. Like we're talking like three or four years 2013, ago. 2013, 2014, maybe. Was it a day game? It was a day game. Andre Ethier hit a go or hit a game-tying home run, then he'll walk off home run extras. I think it was that day game. Oh, I know there yeah. was another game I went to where uh, somebody on the Dodgers. Um, it was it, it was in extra innings, and somebody walked it off. Could okay. definitely could have been the same game, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 
So I'm trying to think any other things I'm missing about the Angels or anything you guys have about the Angels? I, I think maybe because just up to play on the Padres. I'm just really interested to see how he does. Because he's one of those guys that's been in for so long that he's already starting to accumulate some pretty monster stats. So I thought he might be one of those guys that just like if he plays a really long time, all of a sudden we'll be looking at him and be like, hey, maybe this guy's like a Hall of Fame type guy just from his accumulation. Maybe. Do you guys think that uh, Mike Trout flirts with 400 this year? No. <laughs> I no, think he walks okay. too much. I, I think I, actually like if we're going strictly by going for 400, I think he walks too much to do it. I think he could start with 500 on base. So. Yeah, that'd be, that, I, I think so too. That would be my... Uh, my guess on like, will we see someone that gets a 500 on base this year, especially with like, you know, expanded rosters, more pitchers, like try not to like use pitchers as much. We might see like some guys that normally wouldn't be in the majors on the pitcher's mound. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. really not even that much of a stretch and basically a full 2018 hit a 460. <laughs> like, so it, yeah, it'll be how, uh, how long do you guys think it takes Pujols to get those five home runs to get him into the top five all-time in homers? Oh, man. Uh, I'll, I'll say he'll get, half, yeah, maybe a little more than halfway through. Yeah, uh, yeah halfway through, yeah. Like eight to 12 home runs? Yeah, I think he's looking, I think he had like 20 last season, so, you know. One third the season length, so yeah, I think we'll get in a little more than halfway through. Also, the other part of me kind of thinks that Pujols is going to have a bounce back season because you know normally he has to try to you know get his body to last a full season. He can just kind of go hard, you know what I mean? Does not to worry. It's only sixty games, and he's not going to be playing all of them because of Shohei Otani. Yeah, I'd love to see great season from Albert Pujols. Yeah, yeah, I kind of want to see him, you know, return to quote-unquote, form for 60 games, you know, kind of prove that the old man still has it, especially if this is going to be one of our last times seeing him. Yeah, it does kind of stink. Albert Pujols was, like, probably the defining player of my childhood. Absolutely. Albert Pujols was a god, like, in in my childhood. Like, any time he would come to town, my dad would want to go see Albert Pujols, and, you know, that was the guy that my dad would point at and be like, oh, you're going to remember that guy. Yeah, you know... One more good season to ride out on right into the sunset would definitely be fun to see. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he still has his contract next year. But, I mean, I, I do – I'm a big Pujols guy. A lot of Angels fans hate him. A lot of guys just think he's a waste of money. I think you get so much more with Pujols that we can ever fully comprehend. You get a guy who helps the young guys. You, you get a guy who is a true student of the game. He's also a teacher of the game, depending who you talk to. He just has so many intangibles. You know, he's just... I think Albert Pujols is the definition of a perfect player. And if I'm in a situation where I have bases loaded, I need, you know, a game-tying run right now just to keep us alive with one out or even two outs. I think Pujols is the guy you want hitting because his batting IQ is just through the roof. He's going to get that ball through that gap. He's going to, you know even pop out just to, you know, drive in a run. You know what I mean? He's going to do whatever he can to get that run in. Oh, yeah. And, like, if you look at his splits, like, at least the last few years, he's he's really good with runners in square position. His OPS is, like, 270 points higher runners in square position than with no one on. Oh, yeah, yeah. His numbers are astonishing. I mean, his 
I'm pretty sure he's been over 300 his entire career with runners in scoring position. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say easy if I had to guess. It's, it's still amazing that he's still hitting 300 after these last like eight years. He's exactly 300 right now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'll be there uh, by the time he retires. I'd be very surprised. It'd be very impressive if he was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just has to have a really really good year this year. Yeah, and you can, you, I mean, there's a lot of players that you look at that were just like that. Like, I know, like, Willie Mays had, like, barely finished above 300 after being, like, you know, like an Albert Pujols type hitter for, like, the first, like, you know, 12, 13 years of his career. Wonder I mean, for some guys, they need to be at that 300 threshold for Hall of Fame stuff, but Albert Pujols is not one of those guys. He can, <laughs> no, yeah, definitely not. He, he could strike out every at-bat this season and next season still be, you know, oh, yeah. probably should be in him as Hall of Famer. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Yeah, he, he could hit like Austin Hedges for the next eight years and he'd still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, I, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> all right, anybody else have anything else to add? No, I'm just excited to see if the Angels, you know, kind of piece together pitching staff. I, I, the Angels are a team where if they can just get a league average pitching staff, they can definitely contend for a playoff spot. So. Oh, for sure. I think their bullpen will be pretty will be pretty okay. You know, Hansel Robles did great last year, so hopefully he can do the same thing. Uh, Keenan Middleton is a young, up-and-coming uh Back of the bullpen piece, uh, I think if he can stay healthy this year, he's going to do fine. He he can hit triple digits, so you know that'll help with that. Uh, Cam Bedrosian had a pretty good year last year, and I'm not a big Cam Bedrosian guy, so I'm really you know last year I started turning into one. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, there's, they they have a lot going on for them right now, and the Angels have just kind of been that team for the last couple of years where you know if this would have gone this way, the ball would have rolled this way, you know. They could have had, they could have been in the playoffs several times over the last couple of years. It just the ball just hasn't been in their court lately. Yeah, yeah. So many things can come together with a sixty-game season right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to go ahead and talk about before we uh, wrap up, um, I did want to go ahead and give a little bit of a, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it a shout out at all. Uh, it's still going to be more of a uh, extending condolences uh, to um, Angels fans and just baseball fans in general. Uh, yesterday uh, was the one-year anniversary of the passing of Tyler Skaggs. Um, you know, and I, there's certainly some people there who, you know, have a negative idea of him now because, you know, of the, the matter in which he died. But, uh, you know, Tyler Skaggs was a great human being. Um, I had an opportunity to meet him quite a few times. And granted, it was only for, you know, a minute or two at a time. But um, he was always very nice to the fans. The things he did for the fans was amazing. Uh, there was a story on the radio yesterday that uh, Roger Lodge on AMA 30 said about uh, Tyler Skaggs taking a moment from his wedding. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, wedding practice ceremony? Oh, uh, like Yes, yes, wedding rehearsal to call a child who was getting a surgery um, uh, that day. Uh, I think it was like a brain tumor. Um, all I know is that the child was sick, and uh, Tyler Skaggs took time from his wedding rehearsal to make a phone call to this child on the radio just to give him some words of encouragement. Um, you know, all the stuff that he did for uh, the local kids at the schools when he did the Angels Adopt a School events. Um, all the stuff he did for Chalk Children's Hospital. He was a great human being, and like I said, regardless of how you feel about uh, his death, um, he was always pleasant to everyone who he was around. Um, 
he was always really nice to me. The, like I said, I probably met him like five times or so. So he was, you know, a really, really nice guy and uh, still something that hurts to this day. So I definitely want to go ahead and extend um, my condolences to his family still to this day. You know, Carly, his, his, uh, his widowed wife, his mother, Debbie. Um, and I think it'd be really cool if, as a show, maybe on the anniversary of the Angels no-hitting the Seattle Mariners, uh, we can maybe do like a quick little segment where we talk about that. That happened on, uh, I think, July 12th. I don't know oh, if you guys remember that moment. Yeah, definitely. I remember. I watched yeah. that game. That was a great game. Yeah, that's that game was just insane. I mean, you know, all the stuff that happened. But, yeah, maybe uh, that's. Maybe we'll take a couple of minutes on our next show to just cover that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, take, as, sure. take as much time as you want. That's a really cool game to cover. It's a I, mean, big I think when people look back on 2019, that's going to be one of the defining moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. I, mean, that was, I know uh, on uh, the little like uh, montage they do on MLB Network at the end of every season, I think that was like the very last moment. Even ahead of you know the National winning the World Series, it was that no-hitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we were talking about Angels in the Outfield on uh, the Father's Day episode when uh, Andrew brought up Deadbeat Dads. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe not that, uh, maybe not in, that, uh, in those exact words, but I yeah, mean. The, 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 yeah, just for everyone knows, I'm talking talk about the dad and Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, not his father. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Your dad didn't leave you in uh, foster care. <laughs> no. Yeah, my dad's right awesome. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, on that sh- uh, in that movie, there's like a segment where um, she said that Maggie says that she believes in angels because it makes every day of her life worth getting up for. Like that was just one of those moments, like in sports, that was just surreal. It's just one of those things that you can't explain. It was larger than life. It was just that moment where you're just, you know, you're just in awe. You're like, how does this stuff happen? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That was well, just great. It was great to watch. I was really happy for the whole Angels fan base. You know, it needed to happen. Yeah, I really wanted to go to that game, and it made me so sad that I couldn't go. But, you know, just the means weren't there at the time. But um, I was watching from home, and, I mean, I, I get chills. I got chills watching it from home. So yeah. I'm sure if I was there in person, I probably would have been like a wreck. I would have just been like sobbing. <laughs> I'm sure everyone was, though. So. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, all right. Uh, do we have anything else to add um, before we close it up? I don't know. What do you, if you had to put a number on it, how many wins do you guys think your teams are going to get this season? Out of 60. Um, well, for starters, what do you guys think is the threshold this year to make the playoffs? About 32? 33, yeah. I'd 32. say 33, 34. Yeah. Okay. So if that's the threshold... I want to say the Angels are going to be right at it. I want to say 33 to 34 wins. Yeah. I'm gonna, I think the Padres are almost there, but I'm going to say 31 to 32. I don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah. I'm going to give the Dodgers 37 38. <laughs> yeah, at least. I, I yeah. would be surprised if they would just came out hot and got 40. See, that's the thing, though, is, you know, you, you start the season on a bad 10 games and you're already, like, in danger of missing the playoffs. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see how the season plays out. I'm I'm yeah. tentatively excited. Me too. Yeah, it's definitely going to be basically playoff baseball all season because one game could literally be the difference. And I guarantee you there's going to be at least one or two divisions where 
you know, there's like three or four teams that are in it just because of the way the season's going to play out and how short it is. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it. I was going to say, if you're in a division like the NL East, it might be a little easier because you're going to beat up on some bad teams. Well, actually, you have no, one bad team in the NL East. Oh, it's true. Yeah, you get you two bad. It depends on if you think the Blue Jays are bad or not. You get the you get the Orioles and the Marlins. I think the the Central's right there beating each other up. Yeah, for AL, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, I I stumbled on my words because right when I was thinking about, it, I was like, wait, no, in the NL East, you got to deal with <laughs> you got to deal with the Yankees and the Red Sox now. I mean, the Red Sox probably aren't going to be as good without Mookie. That's a huge hit to them, or David Price. Yeah, that's true. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how the Red Sox take a step forward. Yeah, or will they take a step back? Wasn't Chris Sale hurt last season too? He's yeah, Tommy Johnny's out for the season. Yeah, he's oh, there you go. Yeah. We'll see. I, I didn't think he was that hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back to last season, I I, I want to look at two teams, which are the Mariners, who started the season thirteen and two. And I mean, start this, as you start this season thirteen and two, you gotta really fuck up to not make the playoffs. Like it's it's gotta be like a legendary collapse. <laughs> and of course, the Mariners were not good last season. And you look at a, a team like the Reds, who I believe started last season one and nine. If you do that, your season's almost over. Like it's really hard to dig yourself out of that hole. The Reds are gonna be really interesting. Yeah, and the Reds outside of that bad start would have been a playoff contender if it weren't for that bad start. Even the last you know full one hundred sixty two game season. So. Yeah. Definitely be interesting to see it. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for the season to start. Uh, I know the Angels start formal workouts tomorrow. The Dodgers started workouts today. Do you know when the Padres start formal workouts? I'm not sure. I th- probably I th- tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's like this week. Yeah, probably tomorrow. All right. Well, uh, I mean, hopefully our teams stay healthy. Uh, you know, I, you know, physically, and uh, they stay healthy uh, as far as COVID. Uh, we certainly don't want to. Many players are coming down with COVID. Now, it is inevitable. It will happen. It's just a matter of, you know, can they keep the number as low as possible? Yeah, all, all the testing results are coming in, you know, next couple of days. So we'll see if how many players have it already and if they're going to be able to, you know, participate in spring. Cincinnati Reds already caught it, so. Yeah, I know Kybert Ruiz, who is one of the Dodgers' top prospects, has it. So it'll be tough to see all these, you know, players dropping like flies, kind of. But. Yeah. Definitely needs it to happen for the season to move forward. Well, we'll see. Fingers crossed. I mean, I'm assuming that if there really is too many cases, that they are just going to shut it down. So let's hope not. But, you know, at the end of the day, these athletes still have to, you know, go home to their families and stuff. So I I also won't be completely bummed if they do shut it down because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the most important thing is health. And I I keep trying to convince myself of that. But, uh, you know. Obviously, I still want to see baseball. I love this sport. This is the only sport I care about, really. So, yeah, it's my main too. My main baseball. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's going to do it out of us this evening, folks. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Down and Away podcast, the Duh podcast. <laughs> Start calling it that. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Remember, follow us. Follow us all on our social media pages, the Down and Away podcast. Uh, go ahead and send us an email. Uh, if you guys have any uh, input for us, what we can do to make our show better, if you guys want to sponsor our show, leave a five-star review, rate, and subscribe anywhere a podcast can be found. You've already found the show. So uh, if you just stumbled upon us, go ahead and subscribe, and you'll get more of Andrew, Ian, and I wasting your time. 
Okay. So we do best, but we like doing it. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll love waste some more of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great night. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Social distance, and enjoy some baseball. Good night, folks. Good night. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>